and repels, doesn't it? And magnets do the same thing. When you take a magnet, objects respond differently to the magnet. I mean, uh, you take the opposite poles and they'll push apart and they won't come together. And uh, then you take metal shavings and it'll pick those metal shavings up. They have a positive pole and a negative pole. And uh, you have to understand that. And that's what I always enjoyed about magnets and picking things up with magnets. And uh, some people are repelled by the preaching of the cross. And other people are drawn to Christ by the preaching of the cross. And we know that if we're going to come to Christ, that we have to be drawn because no one can come to the Lord unless He draws them. You know, in our hymnal, we have the old Baptist hymnal, and we have a lot of old songs, and we have a lot of songs about the blood. But Paul's talked about the preaching of the cross in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, and he said these words, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And some people are not drawn to the cross. They have basically taken their hymnals and taken every reference to the blood out of their hymnals. And I want you to understand something. We can't have a clean, sanitary religion because the cross is messy. It is bloody. And I don't know how anyone can call themselves a Christian and purge the word blood out of their Bibles and hymnals. But those of us who recognize the beauty of the blood of Christ and are drawn because of the blood of the Christ, we, uh, we understand that it's not foolishness, but it is, it is incredible. It is magnetic. It is drawing. It is powerful. You know, the, there's two words that have come out in the last 20 years that they're called nuns and duns. Now, the nuns... You ask them what their religious preference is, they'll say, none. But there's a lot that are duns as well. They used to go to church. They used to be involved. But now they say, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm not not going back. And you know what? We've seen a lot of that with COVID, haven't we? And uh, it's so easy to get out of a habit and so easy to sit at home. But, you know, thankfully there are millions of people around the world who are drawn because of the magnetism of the cross. They are drawn because Jesus gave up his life that we might live. And I want to read these verses to you today. And uh, if you'll stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, we'll start in chapter 12, verse number 27, and go down through verse number 36. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. 
Now, if you have a pen and you have your Bible and you want to underscore these words I'm going to share with you, and I'll tell you which words. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. That's the first word I want you to understand, out. And I, if I am lifted up, underscore up, from the earth will draw all peoples to, underscore to, myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today incredibly grateful that you were willing to send your son to the cross and Jesus willingly went. And Father, we know that because he was lifted up, he draws peoples to himself. And Father, I pray today that you would just be glorified. And Father, I thank you that your word is truth. Help us now to receive it and to believe it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. These three things that I shared with you, those three words that I shared with you, we're going we're gonna to look at three major points that deals with those. Now, I know I am not an English major, but I had it beaten into my head that you never end a sentence with a preposition. But I'm going to. Okay? All three points end in prepositions. The first point that I want you to hear is Satan is being cast out. Satan is being cast out. In verse 31 it said, Now the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. From the very first time that Satan came slithering into the Garden of Eden to trick Adam and Eve to partake of the forbidden fruit until now. He has had a stranglehold on humanity. And he tempts us and he misleads us and, and uh, he puts these stumbling blocks in our way. Satan is called the prince of this world. Now, I want you to understand something. He is not the prince of the planet because the Bible says... The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So the, it's, it's the Lord's. And he is not prince over the people of this world because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we know that the Lord is over all of creation, but Satan rules over this world system. And people who have not embraced belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, basically they say this, I have no need for God. I don't have any need for God. He doesn't exist. I remember when I went in the military, some of you do too, on your dog tags, they put your blood type, they put your name, they put your social security number, and then they put your faith. Remember that? They asked, what's your faith? I said, Baptist. But now... Not only is, do we not have uh, faith, but we don't even know if we're a man or a woman. 
Isn't it crazy the way our world has become? And I don't know how you can be confused about something so simple, but they basically say there was no creator earth and life just happened with some evolutionary hiccup and we all are here. And man is the master of his own fate, the captain of his own soul, and we are over all. And we worship at the footstep of humanity. But think about Christ. I mean, the religious leaders of his day, the Sanhedrin, they were going to put Christ to death. And Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and then Satan it tempts the Sanhedrin to crucify Jesus. They had this deep hatred for him, and all they could think about was, we've got to get rid of this guy. And with every trial, every denial, every torture, Every wound, Satan must have been pumping his fist saying, yes, yes, yes. And imagine, as they nailed Christ to the cross, can you imagine? I'm guessing the devil howled with delight, aren't you? And he thought, victory, I have won. It is over. But Jesus said, no man takes his life. He willingly lays it down for us. Now, in verse number 31, it says, Now the judgment of this world, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. He will be cast out. You know, Satan has a couple of very dangerous and well-thought-out weapons. Number one is guilt. Guilt. He'll come to you and he'll say something like this. You're, you know you're not good enough. You know you're not worthy. You know you don't deserve that. You know you're not really saved. You, you, you're, you're, you're playing a game. You know. And he'll, he'll cause that guilt. And then we begin to pick up on that. And we, I know, I know, I know. But you know what? <clears throat> we need to come back with Satan and say, you know what? I know I'm no good. <laughs> And if it were not for the cross of Christ, I would not be forgiven. So when Satan tries to lay that guilt trip on you, tell him, I know I'm not good, but guess what? I have been washed in the blood of Christ, and because I have, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there. Right? There it is. There it is. I know I'm not good, but guess what? you got something worse coming for you, Satan. <laughs> and then, Satan's second weapon is not guilt, but it's fear. He wants us to fear death. Remember as a kid, I used to be scared to death of dying. Did you? I mean, be honest with me. Anybody else here with me? I mean, I, yeah, I used to be just scared, mortified by the thought of death. But then I heard this verse... Psalm 23. I'll get that one in just a minute. Psalm 23. What's the fourth verse say? Yea, say it with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? So there's no need to fear death. But if you're not saved, you should be shaking in your boots. 
But because we have been born again, we don't have to worry about that. So all that fear-mongering that Satan wants to bring up about death, we need to say in, in Hebrews 2, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, and that's the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. No need to fear. There is nothing to fear. He has taken the sting out of death, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So don't fear death. And not only is Satan cast out by Jesus, but guess what? He's destroyed. The one who keeps people in fear of death, it was destroyed at the cross of Christ and Satan was dealt a mortal blow. He knows. He knows what his outcome is. He knows. He is the most intelligent creature other than the Lord God Himself. And He knows that His days are numbered, and He knows He's going to be cast out into a bottomless pit. He knows. But what He's trying to do in the meantime is create as much havoc as possible. And here's how He does it. Some of you were alive during World War II, and most of us have studied a little bit about World War II. When the Germans were being pushed back into Germany, the Nazis, they had a scorched earth policy. And they wanted to destroy everything so their enemies could not utilize it. By the way, that almost sounds like what's going on today, doesn't it? Destroy it all. It's uninhabitable. But they had that. And, and Satan has that same philosophical mindset. He knows he is a defeated foe, but he has a scorched earth policy, and he wants to destroy as many people as he can. And he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy churches. He wants to destroy governments. He wants to destroy everything. He knows he is going to a place of incarceration where he will never, ever, ever get out. And it's a place of eternal punishment. Revelation 20.10 says these words, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. How many of you have ever burned your hand or been burned? Oh my gosh, doesn't that hurt? Can you imagine being tormented forever and ever and ever with fire, but not being consumed? I know we can't even begin to fathom something like that. But God says it's eternal. So you know what we have to say? It's eternal. And I don't want anyone to go to that horrible place. So, first thing we find out, Satan is being cast what? Out. The second thing that we find out in our text is this. The Savior was lifted up. And verse number 32, And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Now, Jesus said this to leave no doubt about what type of death that he would die. He was going to go to a cruel Roman cross, and everyone, when he was lifted up, could see him. Now, 
In John chapter 3, we studied this months ago. This religious leader named Nicodemus came at night to visit with Jesus. And Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, Nick, you must be born again. There's no other way to see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And then he told Nicodemus something else. He told him that he had to be lifted up. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, and he tells this, this Old Testament story that, we, that comes out of Numbers 21. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, why in the world would Jesus identify himself with a snake? You ever thought about that? I mean, if I, if I said... Uh, Oh, you know, you know Buzz, he's a snake in the grass. That's, that's not patting on the back, is it? That, 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 that's horrible to say about somebody. But you've heard it and you probably even said it about some people, right? They're just a snake in the grass. So when we think of a snake, we think of something that's slithering, nasty, that, that, that's harmful, that can bite and kill if it's a poisonous snake. And uh, Jesus identified himself with this snake out of Numbers 21 now. If you don't remember the story, the people that came out of Egyptian bondage, the Israelites, complained so much, bickered, chewed on Moses, criticized him. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And finally, God said, I've had enough. So he sent snakes into the camp and snakes, these poisonous snakes were biting the people and they were dying. So the people come to Moses and say, Moses, you've got to do something. Talk to God that he'll take these snakes away. So Moses goes and he talks to God and God says, Moses, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do something better than taking the snakes away. I'll give you a cure. So if you'll make this bronze serpent, put it on the staff and lift it up, people will see that and they will be cured. All they have to do is look and live. That's it. Look and live. So Moses does, and people begin to look, and they begin to live. And uh, By the way, don't we still have a snake on a pole today? Medical field? Pharmacy? Yeah, sure we do. But if you lift it up and people look, they'll live. Now, it's the same in 2022 as it was thousands of years ago. We have to look to the cross to live. We've all been snake bitten. We're all sinners by birth and by choice. Let me tell you why Jesus used this illustration of a snake. The serpent in the garden tempted Adam and Eve. And we associate a snake with Satan. But Jesus openly identified with the snake because he became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The devil was kicked out. Jesus was lifted up. The third thing I see in our text, sinners are drawn to. Sinners are drawn to. Look at verse number 32 again. If I'm lifted up, from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. Now that word all, you say, well, what? people are rejected. You said there are, there are nuns and duns. Yes, there are, and there are many other religions. He said he will draw all peoples to himself. Now, did he say he would draw all 
Now remember the magnet. What does the magnet do? Draws and repels, right? Attracts and repels. And some people, they see Jesus as maybe a guy that lived, maybe he didn't. Or they, they say, you know what, I, I, don't, I, I just can't go for this bloody religion. I, 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 I just can't believe that. Well, when you're drawn, you see clearly the truth of the gospel. And there was that magnetism of the cross where it just draws you to Christ because the Holy Spirit places in your heart and in your mind the truth of the gospel of Christ and we are drawn. Now, there's two deeper meanings here. The first one is this. Every single person, every single person, their pathway will end with Jesus. Either in salvation in heaven or judgment in hell. But every person, their pathway will come to Jesus. They will be drawn to Jesus. The second meaning in uh, Philippians 2, 10 and 11, at that name Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, that's the first. Second meaning is this. Jesus used that word all. A-L-L. Now, that word could also be translated from the Greek language all kinds. So not everyone is going to come to Christ. We know that. But here's what it means in Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. So, Across this world, all nationalities, all people groups, some have been drawn to Christ. So that you have this, this all. You ever thought about it? I mean, there's not a common language, is there? Yet? If, let me tell you what I mean. All right. If you are a Jew and you go through bar mitzvah, you have to learn Hebrew to be able to do it because that's the original language. If you truly want to understand the Quambran, you have to learn Arabic. But if you are a Christian, it can be written in any language. Right? And the Bible has been translated into more languages than any other book in the world. People come from all nations, all people groups to Christ. But John said in John chapter 6 verse 44 that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up that last day. Now you say, now wait a minute, does God not give everybody a chance at salvation? Yes, he does. But here's the thing. You have to be drawn. But some people are repelled just like with the magnet. So here's a trivia question for you. What is the top tourist attraction in the world? 
Disneyland's actually, or Disney World's actually 12th. The Grand Bazaar in Istanbul has 91 million people that pass through it every year. 91 million people. Disney is 12th with a mere 18 million people. But I don't agree with that. You know what I think the greatest attraction in the world is? The cross. The cross. More people are drawn to the cross each year than any other thing. Billions. I told you last week that they say that there are three billion born-again Christians or people that have given their lives to Christ across this world. Don't you love some of those old hymns? I know... The old rugged cross, that second verse says these words, the old rugged cross, so deeply despised by the world, is a wondrous attraction to me. Amen? How many of you, as a child, had a drug problem? Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. How many of you had a, a drug problem? I did. I was drugged to church. Week after week after week after week as a little boy. And when I mean I was drugged, we walked. We didn't have transportation. We walked. But you know what? After hearing Scripture in Sunday school over and over in those stories, and after hearing preaching from my pastors over the years, when I was nine years old, nine and a half actually, on May the 2nd, 1970, it finally clicked. I am a sinner. And I need salvation. And I saw the cross differently for the very first time in my life. And I was drawn to the cross. And I was born again that day. My question for you is, have you ever felt that tug? Have you ever felt that drawing from the presence of God? You can't come to Christ just because you get ready. You come to Christ because you're drawn. And that drawing power, verse 35 and 36, he said, Then Jesus said to them a little while longer, The light is with you, and Jesus is the light of the world. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. I want to share something with you. I can't guarantee that you'll hear another sermon. So, like those cheesy... TV commercials. Hurry. This offer ends soon. If you've never come to Christ and you're being drawn today, don't say, I'll put it off. Some more convenient time, you come. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> so grateful for the cross. So grateful. 
for what you have done, being lifted up, drawing. I thank you so much that Satan's been defeated. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would glorify yourself today through the saving of souls. And Father, help us to realize that you truly are the great physician and you do all things well. In Christ's name I pray, amen.